In this episode, we wade out there with Jakob Burleson from Morrison, Colorado. Jakob is a photographer at Umqua who loves exploring the Rocky Mountains to tell fly fishing stories through his work. We discuss the value of humility in fly fishing, fishing the way you need versus fishing the way you want to catch fish, and Jake shares his love for Yellowstone National Park. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wade Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite, and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to wait out there. Welcome, Jake. Thanks for being on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. It's uh, welcome back from Wyoming and happy belated birthday. Hey, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be back and uh, good to be on the podcast. Thanks for thinking of me for it. Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure. I hope that you had a good uh, trip out to Wyoming and that you caught some fish. Yeah, definitely. It's always it's always good going up north, and I think uh, I think the waters up there are just really special, and um, it's just rel- relatively like an untouched um, portion of of the states. You know, up in Montana, Wyoming, um, you know, there's a lot of people up there fishing, but you just you get a different sense of uh, isolation up there as you do in um, like down here in southern the Southern Rockies and Colorado and whatnot. Yeah, was it? Uh, I'm I'm super excited to talk to you. Uh, first of all, I love your photography. We talked about this a little bit before, but I, I just I love when it just has this like I don't know if it's deliberate. We can talk about this later, but it's this constant kind of like I don't know feeling that it gives me, just kind of like calming the colors and the lighting and things, and like it seems very deliberate. And to me, it's very beautiful. And then also, I can tell that you're a very thoughtful angler and uh, outdoorsman as well. So. I know that, I mean, I, I can't wait to ask you some of these questions and see your thoughts because I know that you're thinking about these things deeply. At least that's my perception. And so mm-hmm. uh, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words there. How far of a drive is it to uh, Wyoming? And do, do you have to, do you drive often or you stay in Colorado mostly? Um, yeah, I drive all over the place. Um, I've got a, 2020 truck and in one year i put like 21,000 miles on it um and now it's up to like from 2020 it's up to from march of 2020 it's up to like 35,000 um yeah i'm driving all over the place i'm all over the colorado and then and up to wyoming quite a bit and in montana here and there um i'm on the the front range of colorado just uh west of denver so um everything is within the state really is like maybe an hour and a half to up to two hour drive for me. And then when I head up to like Wyoming, it gets to like two and a half hours all the way up to, you know, like five hours that I'll, that I'll do for like a weekend trip. That's a, that's a lot of traveling. Uh, I'm interested in how that uh, part of fly fishing has changed for you throughout your fly fishing journey. Was it always the travel like that? Was it the adventure you were seeking or did you hang out and, Colorado mostly until you could drive? Um, no, so it's, it's definitely grown from, um, exploring 
um, the local waters that we have here in Colorado. Um, I would definitely go go to some some local spots and kind of um, fish my way through those until I was ready to move on to a new spot. Um, and for me, like so much of fly fishing is is about where you're doing it and uh, and the lands, the public lands that we all get to enjoy and get to explore. So uh, I'm just constantly wanting to to find you know m- more spots, more fisheries, and, and explore them and and fish them until you know I'm you know I'm happy with with what I've uh, taken away from, from, from there, um, not physically, but you know mentally and. Uh, and then moving on to to a new fishery and uh yeah it's just so much of my fly fishing revolves around the the american west too um i just i just have a real passion for um the history of this part of the states and um and just the amazing fisheries and, and landscapes that we have and just documenting it through through uh through a camera and lens and uh and then throwing throwing a few bugs here and there yeah uh, you know, one of my favorite things to, to do in life for sure. You know, I don't think I've ever realized this. Uh, but when you say that, it makes me, I, I, I grew up with a love of the American West as well. Like I read a lot of books about mountain men, especially, yeah. um, uh-huh. and, um, like all of them, like Jim Bridger and Hugh Glass and, uh, Fitzpatrick and like all these guys. And like, I think my dad gave me a lot of these books to read and the yeah. idea that these guys were seeing that for the first time, you know, like going into oh, Yellowstone, yeah. John Coulter, like seeing like the paint pots, you know, or geysers for the first time and in the Tetons and like in the front range, just like coming off the plains and be like, well, there's some mountains, you know, there's, <laughs> Oh, just, yeah. It's amazing that these guys did it. And it's cool, like you said, to be kind of like in their footsteps a little bit or just think about what they thought when they saw it. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Absolutely. No, you've de- you you just said exactly what, what I think all the time. And it's funny you mentioned Yellowstone because that place has a, a hold on my heart like, like no other. But uh, we could talk about that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, so like um, – you know, I've, I've read countless documentary or, uh, watched countless docu- documentaries rather, and, and, and read some books as well. And, uh, um, they talk about, they often talk about how, you know, the early pioneers and mountain men first came to the front range, like basically where I live, you know, in, yeah. in Colorado and, and all those mountains are there and they're like, Oh, 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 look at those. Look at that mountain range. Like just on the other side of that is the Pacific. First few ridges, and they're then they're like, "Oh my God, we are in for yeah. quite a maybe, trip." Maybe we should go back and start a city called Denver. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably why so many front range towns were established. They're just like, "Well, let's just stop here." Yeah, I mean, that's I think of that, a lot of that happened throughout the West. I mean, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's cool to that fly fishing. It could be anything. A lot of people, it's hunting. A lot of people, it's rock climbing and you know even like kayaking and rafting and things like that camping hiking you know it's it's a way um fly fishing is is a is a way that i like to to do what we've been talking about to get out and see those parts of the world that because even now and that's what's so cool about them especially up high where you're going a lot of the time uh they don't get seen a lot you know and so you still have a little feeling like yeah, this is how they felt because there's no one around and, um, 
not many humans have seen it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's something so romantic about the American West and all those early pioneers, you know, it's, it, it has such a rich history, both, both tragic and, uh, and celebrated as well. Um, yeah. you know, with, with native Americans being there first and the, the terrible things that happened to them. And then, um, but then, you know, the, the romantic, uh, stories and the larger than life figures that inhabited the area. And I think, um, you know, as human beings, like we're so connected to nature and the way society is like kind of moves on. Um, we often forget that. And I think finding avenues to bring yourself back to nature and experience it like, you know, we should be is, uh, you know, what is one of the greatest things you can do in life and, and, and using the avenue of, of fly fishing and photography and, uh, and getting out in these, these places is, uh, it's the way I do it. Is that one of the things that kept you going in the beginning? Uh, cause in the beginning fly fishing, for me and for a lot of people, you know, you're not nailing fish all the time. You know, you're not, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not scooping them up as often in the beginning. Was that something that kept you coming back to the rivers and mountains and things? Yeah, I would, I would think so for sure. Um, cause yeah, when you're first learning how to fly fish, it can be incredibly frustrating. And, uh, but I think it's a lesson that you learn early on in fly fishing is, you, you're not doing this just for the fish. You're not doing this just for catching fish. Like there, there's something to be said about uh, uh, wilderness therapy. Like it's a thing. Like you feel yeah. so much better when you get out in, into the wild places. And, and even like you say wild places, even if it's just a river off the side of a highway, you know, like I fish off of I-70 quite a bit where yeah. I can hear the traffic still. And like, I'm still able yeah. to, you know, focus in on, on the water and, and the yeah. birds and the, the trees around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I lived in Kansas City, I mean, there were no mountains, man. I mean, there was the Ozarks down there, but but yeah. not real not real mountains. But even getting up early at dark and going up in a tree stand and, like, you know, I was up there to be in the woods and, like you said, animals and see the, the earth kind of, like, wake up. And that, it just felt good the rest of the day. It just made me feel good, you know? And uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. It, I totally agree. Did you ever have a mentor that helped you in those beginning times with um, your fly fishing or your photography or both? Yeah, so not not in particular. I had I've had like many um, many uh, characters that I, I've looked up to throughout my life in fly fishing, and I like continue to do that. Um, I'm lucky enough to be around some like the world's best anglers uh, working at Umpqua. Um, there's, you know, so many of them have been on Team USA or still on Team USA. So um, I kind of just look up to to everybody that I um, am able to, to grab tips from and who've been doing it longer than I have. So I can't really name like a, a particular person. When I, when I first started fly fishing, um, I basically did it by myself. Um, I, I grew up, um, kind of gear conventional fishing with my, my dad and my brothers and they all had fly rods. They do it occasionally. My one, my one brother, um, my middle brother, Nate, he, uh, he picked up fly fishing and became very passionate about it. And, uh, I wouldn't pick up a rod until years later. Um, 
in my uh, early 20s. So I've been fly fishing for just seven years now. And, uh, and uh, he was kind of kind of a mentor there for a little bit. Um, but then he kind of stopped, stopped fishing. But um, yeah, I've kind of just looked around and, and uh, grabbed uh, pieces here and there and kind of acted as a, as a sponge and, and grabbed as much information as I could. And, um, and uh, yeah, and people I meet along the way, like I'd say, certainly one of my mentors now I'd say is, is Craig Matthews. I've had the, I've been fortunate enough to uh, befriend Craig Matthews. He's a, he's a, he's a legend in fly fishing and, and uh, is doing it right and super passionate about conservation and, and protecting lands and water. And so he's, he's definitely a big one uh, currently. You mentioned your photography. How has photography been a part of your special fly fishing experience? And on Wade Out There, we say fly fishing is special, but not elite. And everybody kind of goes to everybody's unique stories. Everybody has a story that brought them to it and things that make fly fishing special for them. And I perceive photography as a huge part of that, not just professional uh, development of yours, but also like your, your fly fishing journey. Can you talk about mm-hmm. how they are connected and when they were connected? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I always had a, uh, a natural eye for photography, but I never explored it really. Um, my path kind of led uh, towards, towards different things uh, in my younger years. And uh, what, I, what I thought I was going to do with my life um, didn't really involve photography and once um, fly fishing really took a hold of my life, um, I really, you know, started considering that as a as a possible career for myself, and um, uh, wasn't really um, practicing photography at the time. And when I got into fly fishing, and um, I started doing some like ambassador work for for a fly shop uh, here in Golden Angle, uh, Arbor Anglers, and. Um, uh, they kind of noticed uh, that I had a passion and and a, a ability to tell stories through um, you know social social media and whatnot there and uh, and I asked uh, my good friend Nick Herman who um, owned Arbor Anglers at the time he um, he uh, he knew I, I really wanted to to get in the industry somehow and uh, and uh, saw an opening at Umqua and so I, I started working at Umqua as uh, under sales and marketing and. Um, they threw me up to the Pacific Northwest and I ran the, the sales cycle up there and never, never steelheaded in my life. Didn't know anything about steelheading or, or the, the fisheries up there, but I, I just went up there cause we didn't have a rep at the time and ran the cycle and got, got yelled at by a few dealers and had like <laughs> really great times and, and met some awesome people and fished some, some really great water. And then uh, when I came back uh, I picked up a camera for an event we had in Denver and um, they're like, okay, you're going to be for the photographer for the event. And um, they saw those those photos and and saw the uh, kind of the natural you know talent and eye that I had for photography. And um, at the time, we didn't really have a fully fleshed out uh, marketing department. And um, so I kind of created my own role at Umqua at the beginning. There, um, kind of created uh, the in-house photographer job in, in marketing, and then um, we brought on. Uh, Russ Miller, who's uh, who's uh, well established in the industry, is the the head of marketing there, and um, then that that kind of moved the moved the the foot forward there on uh, on kind of creating content for Umqua and um, and really exploring my fo- my photography more. And then as I started to do that more, uh, 
I started to realize that like yeah, photography is is like my true passion I feel like it and uh it just co- it happens to coincide with fly fishing so ultimately because of fly fishing um photography came back into my life and uh and I kind of pursue those both both equally and um yeah really enjoy it did you find that when you're doing that uh did it grow like through I'm just taking more and more pictures and more and more pictures. And then that one event kind of triggered the aha moment where you said, no, this is a professional thing. Or were you thinking about it the whole time? Kind of, oh, yeah, I kind of like this because I feel like you you got a lot of reps, I guess is what I'm saying. A lot of practice somewhere in there, I would assume, as you're going through all that. Did you, were you oh, thinking yeah. as you're, as you were practicing that this could develop into that or was it, no, I'm just doing this for fun. And then all of a sudden, Hey, do you want to be the photographer? Right. Yeah. I think eventually it, it led to that for sure. Um, uh, when I started, I, or when I, they kind of threw me into the, the marketing, uh, department, I, um, I kind of took over the, the, the social media and was running the Instagram and, so creating content for that was kind of part of it. And I convinced our, um, our president and CEO to, to um, invest some money into a good camera body and, and a couple of good lenses, especially macro lenses to shoot um, all of the flies that we have. So I yeah. gained, you know, my, my level of experience went from, you know, like zero to a hundred so quick there because I kind of had to, to understand how to, um, create engaging content and, um, and get out there and, and, uh, also, um, create yeah. you know, content on the water and, 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 stuff. So as I, as I moved along there, um, I, I definitely started to think that, um, photography is, uh, was my, my, my true calling and, um, eventually, um, you know, something that I, uh, I want to make a career out of because, you know, when they say, um, you don't you don't work if, if it's something you love but you know it's all it's all work you 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 work your ass off for <laughs> yeah that that's a tricky statement because right. you know yeah. you are working you know uh but it's different i mean maybe it's a different word that needs to go in that but i felt similar when i was in the air force we talked earlier about uh-huh. this and i worked all the time but i mean it didn't it didn't feel like it. I was just doing the, the right thing, like the, the natural thing. This is just what uh-huh. you do. And it didn't mean, it didn't matter. Like, Oh, I've been at work for 12 hours, but I have to do, you know, I have to give these academics on this, uh, weapon system or, or something like that. And there's another yeah. two hours and just kept on going, uh, cause you're doing what yeah. you love. So it's really exciting to see somebody doing that. I think, uh, it's, it's uh, commendable that you also kind of sink or swam and you swam, you know, like uh, it sounds like you kind of made the job uh, for yourself, which is also cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then to, to what you said earlier um, uh, with, uh, with, you know, you, it just feels right. Um, when you, when you're in a, in a, in a field of work uh, that, truly feels like a passion. Like there's something about it that it, it just feels right. Yeah. There's, I've kind of gone through a couple different avenues to, um, leading, leading me to think, you know, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. 
you know, a couple of those, you know, those passions were, were really strong and then they kind of waned and kind of, kind of tried to understand that like, okay, maybe this isn't what my career path is going to be. Um, but in the time when you're doing it, like, yeah, you, it's all you want to do and you, you feel okay working your ass off and working long hours and, and whatnot. But, um, that's truly what I feel, uh, with photography and, and, uh, in, in no other way than, than, uh, what I've felt before. I want to ask you about the motifs and the, the themes that we were talking about earlier a little bit, and you mentioned storytelling, but, um, you know, what are the, some of the stories that you enjoy telling most, uh, with your photography? Yeah. Um, I think so much of my photography, my visuals are, uh, personal on some level. And, um, I feel like I express myself best through the written word. And, um, so I kind of just relate it to, to what I'm feeling and, you know, what the image evokes to me. Um, and, you know, I get luckily through, through Umqua, I get, a, I get to do a lot of storytelling through, um, all the, all the flies. Um, we've said it before, uh, within the company, uh, the, the modern, uh, the modern history of, of fly fishing can be uh, can be told through the catalogs of Umpqua. You know, we have all the all the traditional flies go- going into modern flies from you know 1972 to, to current, and um, there's a story between or behind each and every one of those flies. So, contacting the signature tires and, and getting the stories out of those and um, forming forming pieces of content for for people to enjoy. It's something I I truly enjoy myself. Yeah, that is pretty cool i've got a a book i don't know if i have it down here my brother gave it to me i used to read it uh with my son and we would just look at pictures when he was little but i think it's like the history of fly fishing and 50 flies or something oh cool Uh, yeah i think that's what it is um and i found myself really enjoying it like some of it's kind of dry i mean it's mostly a dry book it's like it's a history book you know sure yeah yeah but uh, at the same time, there's some really cool stories. I, I enjoy the history. I like history anyway. But like what you're saying, I really like understanding, especially especially flies that I've fished or caught fish with. You know, like the elk caracatus. Like I, uh, and I'm gonna call myself out because I don't remember the whole story on that one. But <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a fly that I fished that was in the book. And as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, that's really interesting and cool because I know that I've caught fish with this fly and this is a cool story. So I think it 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 brings you closer to that experience. Just like tying your own flies says similar thing for me where okay, it's a little it's another step closer to the experience of being on the river, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'll have to get the uh, the author of that that book for me. I'd love yeah. to check that out. Put it in the show notes. It's a good book, and yeah, I think you might like it, man, because it's it's kind of just like exactly what you're saying, but it goes all the all the way back, you know, all the way back to. And the other thing that was really fascinating about that book, um, especially because, you know, like I say, fly fishing is special but not elite, and it just seems like sometimes there's these sex or, I don't know there's sections or parts of fly fishing that really, really, really like their way of fly fishing. Sure. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Which is fine too. I'm just saying like, don't, you know, don't, don't, 
don't negate somebody else's special experience because you think yours is more special. I mean, like it's a subjective subject. I don't know. Anyway, the funny thing when I was reading that book is, um, it was like that way back hundreds of years ago. I mean, that they were having the same arguments about oh, really? Dry fly, like dry or die. Like it would be like, oh, yeah. we started to discover flies that do this or these types of flies. And like, well, if you don't tie with these materials, then it's not really fly fishing. And I mean, yeah. like old, old, <laughs> you know, when they were still like, I don't know, hundreds of years ago when they were doing this stuff, they were still arguing over these types of things. So at one uh, point, it was kind of like, uh, funny, but then it was also kind of refreshing because it it brings normalcy to some of the things that I see in the community now. Because it's like, well, it's not that you know, that's yeah, things are different, social media, but it, it's kind of been like that for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like like all the the um, crap that Euro nymphing gets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like yeah, like hear stories all the time. You know, working at Umpqua and like back when. Um, we umco actually first introduced the gold bead and uh our signature tire theo bacalar um uh started tying flies with nymphs with with gold beads and he he came to you know fly fishing shows dressed in gold he painted himself with car paint uh <laughs> gold he actually had to get it surgically removed um but he's like he's dressed in gold he's wearing at one point he's wearing like a, a swimmer's cap that's gold um, and he's, and he's showcasing his, his beat gold beaded flies. And, uh, you know, people like Mike Lawson are like, what are you doing? Like, this is like, that's not fly fishing. This isn't going to, you know, yeah. this is going to stick. And, uh, and then eventually they're like, yeah, like, I think he's got a hold of something there and, you know, revolutionize this, the, the sport. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's so many, um, uh, people who are hesitant to change and then, and then, you know, like the sport evolves. It's it's funny all the the different sects, like you said. Yeah, change or die. That was uh, that was my motto that I had to embrace when I started down this journey with weight out there because, you know, I just had to do so many other things that that were different than what I'd done in the past. I guess that I you know I'm a big fan of of uh, making changes when you need to make changes and keeping an open mind. Open mind for sure. How about some of the, so the, the type of photography, do you, do you look for a certain, um, lighting or color or how do you get that? And maybe I'm off. You could tell me, but like the theme, like when I look at the the visual theme, is that a, is that a thing that you're shooting for or no, Jason, that's, that's <laughs> not, is it, you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. Yes. But, okay. uh, you definitely have it, um, pegged there. Okay. Uh, I, um, funny, funny tidbit about me. I, um, I actually went to school for acting. Um, I, uh, I got my degree in performing arts and, you know, ever since I was little, uh, cinema and, and film played a really big part of my life. Um, I started watching movies, you know, at such a young age and movies I shouldn't have been watching. Honestly, my parents didn't care. And like, I was watching like Terminator two and like aliens and trimmers all when I was like, you know, just a little kid. And, yeah. uh, I, I really grew a love for, for movies and, and film. And, um, and then I kind of, uh, I kind of, um, started, uh, getting into acting and, and writing. Um, so I, I got my degree in that and I kind of, uh, tried my hand in, in Los Angeles a little bit and being a, you know, 
born in Colorado, just completely despised living in, in Los Angeles. So I came <laughs> back and that, that's when uh, fly fishing, fishing kind of took over. But um, so when I, when I apply that to my photography, um, I'm always kind of, kind of looking at, at it through the lens of a, of a, of a, of a camera, of a, of a, of a cinema camera. So I'm kind of, um, pulling, uh, imagery from movies a lot for my inspiration. Like, uh, I particularly like, um, David Fincher, um, who's done like fight club and, um, social network Zodiac, all those movies, uh, the way he sees the world, is, um, there's something about that that I, I really respect and, and really visually like. Um, so he sees, you know, the world in a lot of like sepia tones or it's, it's, it's really two ways. It's like, it's like sepia or like dark and blue. So like, uh, the girl, the girl with the dragon tattoo is, is very dark and moody and like something like seven or, um, the Zodiac or a curious case of Benjamin button is in more in that like sepia warm light. So I, I kind of play with that quite a bit. Um, so I'm always kind of seeing, seeing through the lens in a, in a, in a cinema like fashion. And then, um, yeah, just, just playing with playing with, with, uh, the darker tones in life and, and keeping thing, keeping the colors more natural, not bringing, um, color, uh, the, the vibrance out, out of color as, as much. Um, I like to tone things down a little bit. It's a little, um, um, easier on the eyes in, in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that, that kind of plays a, a huge role in, 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 my photography. And, um, there's nowadays on, uh, you know, with Instagram and social media, there's so much of photography that is created that, you know, it's, it's clearly to get likes and, um, the, it's, there's, it's, it manipulates the images in a way that, to me, it, it, it makes them look like, like nothing like they, they looked before. So I, I still kind of look like, kind of like, like to look through, um, with a traditional view of images and, and a traditional way of editing, but just kind of bringing in that, that cinema look yeah. to my photos. I get the uh, impression that spending time on the water with the people that are special to you is important to you. And that I see some of that through your photography as well. Um, can you talk about one of the more special experiences that you captured with a a photograph? Um, yeah. So fly fishing. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, Throw that in there, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, After all, that's, that's uh, why we're here talking. Well, I mean, I was, after I said it, I'm like, well, he's probably got like a hundred or a dozen of, of those, but they might not be fly fishing. So I don't know. You can give yeah. me whichever one you think is the most special. Hey man, my life pretty much revolves around fly fishing. So that, um, that was my assumption, but I just want, yeah. I want to clarify. <laughs> most of my photography is, is coming from that. Um, yeah. But uh, I mentioned Craig Matthews before um, I started fishing with him last year and uh, really captured some, some great moments with him last year and uh, this year um, even more so. So I, I try to do an annual trip out to Yellowstone every year. And uh, we went out um, beginning of August for two weeks this year with a, a good buddy of mine and uh, my girlfriend, Sam. And um, 
that was her first time meeting Craig and, and they really hit it off. And we went out with him two different times on two really uh, special pieces of, of water in Montana and um, just had great, had a great time. The guy has lived such a legendary life. He was the, he was the police chief of West Yellowstone for a number of years and uh, had to deal with, you know, motorcycle gangs coming in and uh, burglaries and, you know, bear attacks and just, just everything that happens in a, a tourist town uh, next to the world's first national park. And, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, along all of that, he was becoming a, a fly fishing legend and, and literally wrote the book on, on fishing in Yellowstone national park. And, uh, and so just hearing the stories with him and, and photographing him and, uh, and all that. So I have some photos that I'll be release, releasing uh, here shortly, but um, ho- hopefully uh, share them in a, a couple of uh, different ways. But um, just getting out with him uh, this one particular day uh, last month where uh, Sam, my girlfriend, caught like five of her biggest fish that she's ever caught, you know, thanks to him. And uh, <laughs> she was using a streamer. She was fishing a, a thin mint. And, uh, she kept, um, missing some of the eats. She wasn't, she wasn't setting correctly. And, uh, and Craig, Craig would just like fall down laughing, like onto his, onto his knees. And like, she, she would fall down laughing. And so I, yeah. I captured a few, a few of those moments and, um, yeah, just like when you can, when you can capture that like special emotion that doesn't happen in everyday life, like, like that's kind of, uh, what does it for me in, in photography and, um, yeah, just just you know capturing humans really you know when i first started fishing like i was all about you know trying to capture the beauty and, and essence of trout and the the catches that i would that i would have and, and stuff and by all means I, I still do that but uh um what really interests me is just kind of uh drawing the character out of out of human beings that you know the people we fish with i was surprised to hear you say that you express yourself best through the written word uh like I said at the beginning, I, it's very obvious that you think thought you're thoughtful about the stuff that you put out there, the written word, mm-hmm. but your photography, I would say expresses you pretty well. Also, that was just, I mean, but yeah, yeah. to me that I could see how they're combined now. And that I know that you enjoy writing as well. I'd like to read something that you wrote, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those thoughtful, things that I, that I that I found that I thought was cool. cool. Fly fishing, yeah. Fly fishing keeps you humble and the humbled frequently become rewarded. So why is humility so important to your fly fishing journey or how has it been important through your photography and your fly fishing journey? Humility. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, with fly fishing, like, you're always learning. You're never not learning. You're always continuing to learn and um, you're always picking up bits and pieces idea. Like really like ideally you are, you know, maybe there's some people that haven't have an ego and, and I uh, think they're the best of the best, but you know, the, the ones who truly go out there and um, trying to try to keep an open mind, like we said, and, and experience it um, in an authentic way. And uh and keep on learning and, and add uh, techniques and, and tactics to your arsenal. Um, it's it's just it's just a way to it's 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 just a way to do it right. I think um, 
and there's so many days where you go out and you think like, oh yeah, the fish are going to be, the fish are going to be here. I only need these couple flies. And then just absolutely nothing is happening. You're not seeing any fish. Like flies aren't going down. There's just, you're just like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like there's so many days, so many countless days where that, where that happens. I don't care who you are, you know, yeah. like guides, guides experience that everyone yeah. does, you know, beginners and, and no matter your level of experience, like fisher, fish can be fickle, and uh, and uh, they, it definitely keeps you humbled. And and if you continue down that path where you're like you keep an open mind and you're and you're constantly learning and um, you don't think too much of yourself and you kind of you accept losses, eventually you'll get wins and get you'll get special moments and special fish that, uh, that happened throughout the days, uh, out on the water. And, um, that's, that's what makes, you know, this life we all live, uh, worth, you know, worth it. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. The, the moments that, that can surprise you. The moments that are outside of our habit patterns, right? The things like the times that we go off the beat, like out of the, the lane, those are the memorable things. Like when you're getting up and you're driving, making the drive that you make all the time, you, you get into these, these things. I, I find that the more I can take myself when able and put myself in places, which is why nature is so good. It's good for that because it's always, you know, it's so different. Um, and a river, especially for me, is so constantly changing. Like the river itself is changing. And then the day that you go to the river is changing. You know, it's always different experience right um so i think that's definitely true insightful one thing you said too that is um humility in in going you know the the being humble about when you can and when you can't go to the river and knowing that sometimes if you can't go you're not going to have it'd be harder to progress but that's okay it's easier to stomach that i think if you have a little humility and you don't don't get as frustrated. Does that make sense? Like if you're not on the river all the time, uh, yeah. I think about that sometimes because I've got that ego that pops up like, Oh, I want to catch fish. I want to catch fish. But certainly in my life and even now there's seasons that I haven't been able to get to the river as often as I want. And I think a little humility helps me like recage when I'm out there and it's not, it's not happening for me. You know, it's not. As yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a, I think there's a point in your, um, your, if you want to call it a career in fly fishing, uh, there's a point where your journey, let's call it our journey. Yeah, there's a point. In your journey <laughs> nice. Good work. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> there's a, there's a point in your journey where, um, it's okay that you're not catching a lot of fish. It's about like how you catch fish. Um, rather than how many you catch. Um, so that, that, that's definitely a, a point where I'm at. And, um, yeah, sometimes when, when you, when you can't go fishing, like, you know, that that's okay. And, and, uh, that's, that's a lesson you really have to learn when you're a photographer as well as like, yeah, there's a lot of days where you go out and you're taking photos and if the fishing's like really good, like right. you can't just like maybe you can set the camera down for like a cast or two and get a, you know, pluck a fish one or one or one or two fish. But like, like if you're working and you're, you have a goal in mind and you need, you know, to, to get um, something out of, out of the day, like you have to shoot and you will not be fishing. Like 
I've, yeah. I've accepted that. Like there was a time where I was like, Oh man, I was, I wish I was fishing too. I'm going to bring my rod. So like generally I don't bring my rod if it's like a, a full on photo shoot day. Like I'm, yeah, it, it just doesn't work. You can't, you can't do both. You have to do, you have to pick one. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's like if you want to get better at something in fly fishing, I've found if I don't take the, the nymph box, if I just take the dry fly box, like I have no other options. I can't, I can't, I can't yeah. go. I can only dry fly. If I really wanted to work on that, or I, I really wanted to try and catch a fish, because if I brought it and, and I'm not catching fish, I'll go to nymphing, you know, or that's one, one small example that I've done, but. Do you, do you do that quite a bit where you just bring one box of, of flies and one type? No, I have done that. It's been yeah. frustrating, but I have done it where, um, yeah, today I really want to get better at dry fly presentation or casting or whatever, or I just want to catch fish with dries or something. Um, and I've done it once also with streamer fishing where I left, um, you know, I, I like to fish with the least amount of stuff possible. So a lot of times I'll leave most of the things like my little sack of kit, I'll leave in the truck and I'll just take a few fly boxes and I have a lanyard that I wear. Um, so I just kind of take what I think I'm going to need. And so I just leave that stuff and I'll, I'll go out and certainly for parts of the day, I will a hundred percent do that. Uh, if I'm truck fishing, you know, on, on the river or something, I've done that with streamers because I'm a terrible streamer fisherman, uh, because yeah. I don't do it, you know, because I always want to catch fish and I'm, a, I'm a, like, well, if I, if I don't switch, uh, if I, if I switch, I might not catch fish, but then I won't get better if I don't try it, that type of thing. Uh, oh, oh Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to ask you about was, uh, how do you change, um, how you want to catch fish versus how you need to catch fish or when do you make the difference or when do you make the change? Cause I saw you say something also about today, the right way to catch fish was with a beadhead nymph, but I was going to throw streamers today, you know? So do you, always fish the way you feel or do you sometimes say you know yeah i i like to i, I want to fish this way but i'd rather catch some fish or does it go back and forth um i'd say it doesn't go back and forth these days too much it's usually um how i want to fish how i want to catch them um because again like you know i've reached that point in my journey where i'm like i don't care if i catch just one or two fish today like if I catch one fish on a dry fly, like that, that's going to make my day worth it rather yeah. than you know, catching a bunch, bunch of fish on, on, on nymphs or, or, or whatnot. So, uh, I, I really fish uh, like how I'm feeling. Um, if there's a particular hatch going, then, you know, I'll definitely listen. I'll listen to the water and listen to the, to the river and what it's telling me. But, uh, um, as far as just getting out, getting out there and, and, uh, messing around, you know, maybe it's, you know, I want to, I want to fish some, some flies I just recently tied or, uh, um, I just know like we're on the tail end of hoppers right now. Like I yeah. think, I, I think I can get a fish to eat a hopper. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times I'm just like, I cover my ground too, where I'm like, all right, I'm going to put two Euro nymphs under this hopper just to, just so I do catch, you know, a fish or there, a fish here and there, here and there, but, um, I'm not going to take my dry fly off. I'm going to be a dry <laughs> dropper for the whole day. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, it's funny that you say that about streamers too, because I totally had that mentality mentality when I was first uh, learning how to streamer fish. It's just like you do it, and you'd like, I it, it doesn't feel like it's working. I'm not. I'm never going to catch a fish doing this. Like I know <laughs> like what I'm doing. Like it's not working. It's not. This right. is. It's not how it's supposed to work. Yes. Yeah. It, I'll tell you, it, it only takes like a couple of good stream streamer fish to like really like change your mind about like, wow, I am going to be doing this a lot more often. So like the joke around the office is they like they call me like the resident you know, like streamer fisherman, the the meat slinger yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm not I'm really not like I, I, I fish streamers quite, quite a bit, but I like. You know, I love dry fly fishing. Like there's, I, to me, there's nothing that can beat dry fly fishing. And then, you know, working around um, all the guys there who uh, yeah. Euro, Euro Nymph, I, I picked that up and I, I really enjoy doing that as well. But, you know, like nothing is going to, is going to beat like a, a good dry fly eat to me or um, secondly to that is, is definitely a good tug on a, on a streamer. Yeah. I like streamer. I mean, I've had a couple of days where I, I caught fish with streamers. Uh, and I like the, when I was doing, I like the movement of it. I like that. I'm kind of always moving and throwing it through water and, and moving on. I'm, I don't work a spot as much maybe with the streamer and I like kind of being mobile and I love watching a fish come, uh, chase it kind of. It's like similar to when a dry fly take, you know, it's, because you, you're you're seeing it happen a little bit. If if that happens, sometimes uh, if the if the streamer is higher in the water, I can see that. Oh uh-huh, yep. So those are two similarities between those types of fishing, and and I enjoy that. But um, yeah, I just need to do more of it, I guess. But it's it's uh it's funny that you say that. All right, Jake. Can I ask you about um, the special waters that you fish out in Colorado, especially some of the higher alpine lakes? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'd say that that kind of, um, was pretty early on, uh, in my, in the, the process of picking up a, a fly rod and, and beginning to fly fish as, um, I started to, to hike up to these lakes. Cause I was already doing that a little bit, um, before I was fly fishing, um, I'd, I'd hike up and, you know, backpack up, up to high elevation lakes and, and whatnot. And then when I realized that you could catch, uh, you know, the native cutthroat that, that we have, uh, in, in, in the Rocky mountains, um, that truly, uh, that truly kind of, uh, honed me into, to those waters. So I, I really enjoy just getting away and, and, um, putting, you know, boots to the ground and, and hiking up to, to those high elevation places. And I've got a few friends that, uh, I do it uh, quite often with, and it just, it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of, um, thinking and, and, uh, research, researching you know what lakes have fish in them and, and uh, what ones are off the beaten path and and then it's only it's such a short window of time where you can fish to these to these fish and um sometimes you know like they you can't you would you won't be able to see a fish the whole day you know it's maybe it's uh it's still early on the water's cold and they're all they're all deep or um maybe it's ice off and they are they are all around the uh, willing to eat anything so these places can be super fickle and uh it's just a great getaway from uh from all the folks on on, on the river in those those more crowded areas but um i also really do enjoy uh free stones as well and you know a tailwater here here and there but uh 
uh, places like the the Colorado and, and uh, you know our, our some of our bigger rivers out here. I, I really enjoy fishing as well. But I, I'd say uh, the high alpine stuff is what I'm truly passionate about um, throughout the kind of the summer months, and then uh, and then really like the thing, the place that in particular has has a hold on me is is Yellowstone National Park. I've I've gone out there um, three years in a row now. My my first year. Uh, being three years ago and I only had a couple days to fish it and absolutely fell in love with the place. Like it is, they call it, you know, Alice in Wonderland. They call it Wonderland for a reason. It truly is like, you know, not just the fact that, you know, it's the world's first national park and it has all these amazing features and geysers and all these geothermal features, but uh, it is just, you know, the fisheries out there are endless. They're they're They are, they really are endless. You can spend a lifetime out there fishing and not truly experience everything it has to offer. Um, and so I, I've really fell in love with the place um, when I was when I was out there the first year. And then I kind of told myself, like, all right, I'm going to try and go to Yellowstone every single year. And uh, and so I did that last year, um, kind of when, you know, the pandemic uh, had a little break during the summer and uh, was able to get away and get up, get up there for a week. And then I was just out there for two weeks at the beginning of August and man, it's, it's amazing. It's, it truly has a hold in my heart and I enjoy uh, photographing it as well and, you know, and writing about it. And it's uh, there's something to be said about catching fish that are supposed to be there, like native cutthroat trout that like haven't been stocked and like just, they live there and they're, they, they take, uh, you know, the national park service and fish biologists, uh, take the measures to, to protect them and, and, and keep them at, keep them there. There's and just something very special about catching fish that are, um, are, you know, supposed to be there. And rather than, you know, there's nothing wrong with the stocked brown trout, like brown trout were, aren't native here and they're may They're one of my favorite fish as well. And like, yeah. yeah. What's, uh, what's something that you recently learned, uh, fishing up in Yellowstone or could be one of these lakes, something that you learned or relearned that helped you, uh, as a fly fisher um hmm it's a good question i'd say uh i don't know one particular moment is is calling back to me uh, while i was up in the park this is my our last uh day fishing in the park and uh, we were fishing a, a creek up there and um it was you know with the unfortunate kind of season that we've had with with warm water temps and, and fires and whatnot and hoot owl restrictions uh it's been it's been tough um you know just really getting out there and doing exactly what you want to do it what what you want to do when you want to do it and um so just you know trying to be in you know the, an ethical ang- angler and fishing at the the right time of day and stuff and and um not trying but like definitely definitely you know um paying attention to the the hoot owl hours and whatnot but uh uh, there's a moment there on our last day, uh, fishing and, uh, the water was starting to get, um, warm and we're to the point where I was like, I, I should probably think about calling it. We, there's still definitely uh, plenty of wiggle room there to, to fish and, and, uh, let the fish, uh, continue to be healthy. Um, but, uh, a hatch popped up and, uh, it was, uh, it was this, like, it was, you know, it was the late green drakes that they have out there. And, um, they just looked a little different. They looked almost like March Browns. They had like a yellowish Brown hue to them. And I even like, I even like texted Craig Matthews. I'm like, 
it's like, oh yeah, there's a great you know, like March Brown hatch going on like right now in like August. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, oh, those are actually late fall uh, green drakes. I was like, oh, awesome. And uh, I had, uh, I, have a, I have a big like bug locker full of, full of dry flies and that I picked out specifically for, for fishing in the park. And um, I had a few Drake patterns. I even had a couple March Brown patterns in there and they weren't really getting the job done. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put a soft tackle on uh, behind this dry fly. And sure enough, that like that pulled out like a beautiful, like flawless, like 20 inch native Yellowstone, <laughs> cut, native, yeah, native Yellowstone cutthroat. And, and uh, I kind of just remembered like, yeah, like it's totally okay not to uh, stick with dry flies. Like if you want to put some little something behind that dry fly, the dropper. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, just that's, in case. That's totally fine. Yeah. And it, it reminded me too, that like, yeah, soft tackles are money. Like they yeah. were. Yeah. 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 Those are good flies. Uh, when you go up there, obviously cutthroat is, is you, you enjoy catching those. Um, there's tons of fish up there is, uh, do you remember something or do you, have you always wade fished it or is there places to, to drift up there? I mean, the Gallatin, the, maybe they take rafts down there. I know you can raft it, but Madison, you can fish and those are all kind of in and around the park, but are you mostly prefer to wade it or you ever, uh, in the boat up there? Um, up there I have yet to, um, jump on a on a drift boat or raft and in rivers i've been on a on the lakes up there on boats but um not on the rivers yet i haven't explored too much uh like in the bozeman area but um i've definitely fished a fair amount uh uh in the west yellowstone area um but yeah it's usually just just waiting um i'm glad you mentioned that because uh i feel like there's like when you talk about groups of people and uh and <laughs> getting getting set in their ways there's like so yeah. many people where you know they if they have a boat they're all they're always in the boat and they they call the people on the the shoreline waiting like bankies or or whatever and uh, <laughs> i've not heard that before bankies yeah, yeah yeah i hear that all the time and okay. uh, uh well i don't even know if you can I mean, to be honest, if you can drift in the park, if there's actual water that you, I mean, the snake river is, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you, I don't know. I, I guess the rivers and things that I'm thinking of are kind of just outside the park, but I don't know if you can. Yeah. Within Yellowstone, I do not believe you can, um, put in uh, on a river. You right. can on the lakes, you can on yeah. the lakes for sure. But, um, uh, I know like Grand Teton, you can, you can put in on the snake there. Right. Uh, for sure. I've seen that. Yeah. 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 But with it, with Yellowstone, I'm really not sure. So that, that actually kind of makes it nice. You know, you, you've got the, the waters hiking, yeah. hiking to yourselves, but all the bankies get it all to themselves. Yeah, all the bankies. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not ashamed to be a bankie when I'm on a boat. Uh, <laughs> I look at the bankies and look down upon them, but, uh, right. <laughs> but when, when I am I'm on not, the bank, when I am a banky, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a banky when I'm a banky, but, uh, but, uh, when I'm, I, I really enjoy, um, picking out like pieces of water and, uh, on foot, uh, especially smaller pieces of water where it's, uh, yeah. you're a little bit more intimate with a, with a Creek or, or, or whatnot. Um, some of those larger rivers can be kind of hard to, to wade. And that's really when, when a boat comes in, in handy, but, um, 
just like getting, you know, getting on the ground, using your feet, especially getting up to high alpine lakes and, and yeah. creeks and all that. There's, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. We talked a little bit earlier about time flies and uh, kind of the joys that that can bring you um, out on the river. If you tie your own flies, is there a couple flies that as a beginner or novice kind of fly tire that you would recommend if you're going up to Yellowstone that might be, you know, I know that the hatches change and everything. I'm just, you know, could be like an elk, it could be a, a caddis or it could be a hare's ear, or just something that you've found that is kind of a pretty solid kind of generic type fly or is it not like that up there yeah so um i'm actually i'm relatively um early on in my fly tying um uh working at umqua has given me the ability not yeah. to have to tie a bunch of flies when i have like the world's largest fly collection at, at my fingertips okay and uh Fair and when it's especially when it's part of my job to go out and fish these flies and take photos of them uh but uh, I, I mainly tie like Euro nymphs and um, and uh, just subsurface stuff. So, but it's like I do bring those up. You know, I, I caught a few fish on those in in the park. I try not I try not to use nymphs <laughs> when I'm in the park. Okay. I try my best uh, for dry flies and uh, maybe a streamer here and there. But uh, and it's only you can only fish uh, two flies up there, and uh, so can't really fish a streamer with two hooks on it so i'm really like mainly dry fly fishing but this past year i definitely threw on the nymph for for a few fish but uh um a fly that um i mean i tie like pertagons and stuff like uh, um like oversized beaded pertagons you know a lot of ton of weight thin profile that gets down there quick that's yeah those those aren't too hard to tie right yeah no yeah relatively easy for sure and um and so uh I use a lot of that, but I, a fly I was really excited about, um, this year and within the park, um, is the, uh, Ump was, um, dancing Ricky from, uh, Andrew Grillos. Okay. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a foam, big foam pattern, uh, kind of emulating a stone fly comes in a couple different variations. And, uh, so I, I was, um, at the tail end of a golden stone hatch on the Yellowstone river, um, up by the lake this uh this past trip and um so i've seen a lot of shucks around on the water um a few adults here and there but not a lot so you could definitely tell that the hatch had already come and gone but it was still lingering a bit and um so i threw one of those on and had a, a like a euro nymph underneath it and i got one fish i got like a 19 inch uh female uh yellowstone cutthroat to eat the the dropper and then and then, uh, sure enough, like a few casts later, I had this like flawless, like 23 inch male native cutthroat, like turn back and swallow and swallow the dancing Ricky. And I was like, Oh my God. Like my buddy Carl was like up ahead of me. He, uh, he yeah. had already crossed the river and, uh, we have, we have walkie talkies when we fish. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, this fish is amazing, Carl. And he's like, Oh, you want me to cross the river and, and uh, come take a photo of it for you? And I'm like, ah. Oh, no, I don't want you to have to do that. You already crossed the river. Uh, let me measure it. And I'm like, all right, like this fish is it's pretty good. Uh, it might be okay. cool. This document is super special fish. And, uh, and so got a few quick photos and, and let it go. And, um, uh, and then I had, you know, 
uh, a bunch of bunch of this that, that fly in my my box. Another benefit to working at Umpqua, and so I uh, thought I'd pass on the the good luck and good fortune, and um, just I, I gave a few of those those dancing rickies to a few other anglers on the water, and like here, use this. This just worked for me. Um, so yeah, I was really excited about that fly. And Andrew Gillis is a he's a really good guy, and he's uh, experienced some hardships recently. And uh, yeah, just enjoy getting his patterns out there and supporting them. Cool. Is that something that we can link to in the show notes? Is there a, a place that people can go to check that out? The dancing Ricky. Yeah, just Umpqua, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can put the dancing Ricky um, like profile uh or the url in there you can just search it on umqua.com and it'll pop up but yeah yeah that's a, definitely a fly that i've i've really enjoyed fishing and especially for the salmon fly hatch out here on on the colorado um it, it's it makes it very difficult to put on a different pattern than that <laughs> like you, yeah. you can fish that for you know weeks on end it's very durable and uh it rides low in the water. It's very much like a stone fly. It's a, it's a fun fly to fish and holds up a good amount of weight underneath it as well. If you could only fish two days in Yellowstone, which two days would you fish and how would you fish them? I guess you're probably going to say dry flies for both, but if, if you had two, only two opportunities, two days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that question. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, you nailed it there. Dry flies. <laughs> If you're in the park, well, you have to fish dry flies. Like, right. um, you know, you can certainly get away like with, with nymphing for sure. Sometimes you have to, but, uh, uh, there's, oh, it's just so amazing, uh, fishing dry flies to, to these fish. Cause they're, they're eager for them. They'll eat them, you know, big, big fish up there. They'll, they'll just take like giant foam dry flies and stuff. I'd say one of my favorite places on this earth for sure that I've fished is uh, Yellowstone Lake. Um, just fishing the shores of Yellowstone Lake. So that's definitely one of the days because um, you can kind of, you don't have to wake up super early. You can hit the Calabatis hatch, you know, in the prime summer months and um, fish it for a few hours where the, the fish are just gulping, gulping dry flies and, and Calabatis flies and, and whatnot. So certainly that, and like you can cook, kick your sandals off and just walk on the, the bare sand there and, uh, a previous year um there's a black bear just roaming the woods behind us as as we fished and there's like so some tourists ran up to us and like there's a bear there's a bear behind you guys and we're like oh cool and then we just turn back to fishing <laughs> uh so that's a that's a really um great place and um there's some great fish in that in that lake and then uh and then i'm probably gonna hit um either the yellowstone river or um one of the other creeks up there and um try and catch uh like a stone fly hatch or a, or a hopper hatch uh, any large foam dry fly that i can throw around to uh to big fish looking up all right sounds good before i ask you my last question jake how can people find out more about you upcoming projects that you have and uh, more about your work that you're doing uh, yeah. Um, so as of right now, I'm just, my Instagram's definitely the the best way to, to go view my work and see any um, stuff I continue to share. Um, and that's just at uh, Jakob Burr, which is J-A-K-O-B-B-U-R. Uh, and then um, really just, you know, just 
any Umpqua stuff you see, like for the the most part of of all the the Umpqua content that comes out, especially on the you know the Instagram, the website, and all that. That's a that's a lot of my work showcased there, and uh, we really um, continue to to put out really cool stories about um, you know fly fishing and and the the people that inhabit it and the, all the signature tires that are that are under our roof. You know, two hundred and forty plus signature tires that have amazing patterns and uh you know some of the legends like um you know craig matthews mike lawson mike mercer john barr charlie craven like so many of those 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 guys and um just having the ability to to get out with them and and kind of uh learn more about what makes them tick and and uh photograph them and 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 stuff so you'll see yeah you'll see a lot of uh my work all, all over the 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 umqua footprint and um yeah hopefully uh you'll you can see um a, a website of mine uh, popping up here shortly as well. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Any upcoming like projects or like uh, that you want to call attention to? Like I've got a uh, something coming up or. Um, with Umqua, like the signature tire sessions that we do during the the tying months, um, that's a really great way to um, kind of just dive into the the mind of a of a signature tire and. Um, just kick back and and watch some some folks tie and and talk about their patterns. So this is our third season doing that. So I'll be you know I'll have a, a fair amount of video work going on uh, during those, and you, that that's uh, just kind of a tune in live on like YouTube and and watching for an hour. Um, so we're excited to to kick off our our third season of that. Um, kind of started during the the pandem- pandemic when everybody was at home. Um, so that was a great relief, uh, to just, um, you know, watch some fly tying and for a little bit here and there. So we did season two and, um, and yeah, season three is coming up. So pretty excited about that. And then, uh, and then, yeah, with my recent Yellowstone, uh, stuff, I'll, I'll be, uh, hopefully sharing that in, in, uh, one form or another. Um, so certainly uh, a fair amount of it on my Instagram. So yeah, that's kind of what's coming up. Cool, man. All right, last question. Ready? Yep. All right. Uh, if you go go back to when you first began fly fishing, and give your piece, give you and give yourself two pieces of advice. One more philosophical, and one more tactical. Uh, what would you tell yourself to help you progress as a fly fisher? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Nice. Um, tactical would probably be. Um, uh, don't get frustrated with knots. Uh, great answer. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. particularly like wind knots and stuff and tangles, uh, and, and learning knots as well for, for sure. Like for the longest time I couldn't figure out a blood knot. And, uh, and once I did, uh, it, it was great. And then I was just kind of, kind of thought about like all the frustrated frustration I had about like, you know, my time being used up by like having to figure out knots or having to untangle rigs and stuff. Like I'd get so worked up about that. It's like, don't like eventually it's going to be less and less of that. You're still going to have it for sure. But uh, just, you know, spend the time, don't get worked up and just untangle your knots. Don't freak out about it. Definitely, definitely had an issue with that when I was, uh, when I was starting and then uh, more philosophical, um, uh, I would say, yeah, just enjoy it and, um, enjoy the story, enjoy the journey. Um, 
it's not always all about, you know, catching fish. Yeah, it's definitely true. And, um, I think you've expressed a lot of those things that it, that it also is about today. So I really appreciate your time and thank you for sharing so many of these stories and a lot of your knowledge and, uh, look forward to following more of your work, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. And uh, it was a great pleasure talking to you and getting to know you more. Thanks for listening to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories, and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, wait out there.